This podcast is presented by The Ed Narrative, a place for reflective discourse on education. Visit theednarrative.com to subscribe to this podcast or our blog. You can also find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher. And please, leave a review to help us grow this community of educators. Welcome to the Ed Narrative Podcast. My name is Darren Ralston, and I am the producer of this podcast. We're at episode 20. Episode 20. Episode 20, episode 20. It's, it's, I, I just want to keep saying it. It's, um, it's a milestone for me. I had started this out, and I really had not had any plan to, uh, to get to an episode 20. So here we are, and it's been going great. I really appreciate all the... Uh, all the support people have been giving me, and uh, if you've been a regular listener, thanks for hanging in there with us. This time around, we'll be getting back to a teacher talk. Uh, I haven't done one of those for a while. It's been a while, and the last one was middle school. I talked with Chris Shedd from Burley Middle School in Albemarle County Schools, and this time around, I reached out to two educators who are over at Woodbrook, Brandon Reedus and Whitney Hennett. Uh, now, Brandon is the gifted resource teacher, and Whitney is multi-age. She does uh, kindergarten and first teaching. So um, they're both culturally responsive. They've gone through the accreditation program for that, and they're equity consultants. So, so they, definitely, uh, they definitely keep themselves very busy. And on top of that, on top of that, they also co-host the Black Teacher Code podcast, which I would highly recommend. You can find it on SoundCloud. They have a great, uh, I mean, you can hear it in the, in the podcast. They have a great rapport with each other, and they really sort of welcome you in as a listener. So definitely check that out. It's, it's good. But uh, I had a great time talking with them. Brandon, I, I don't have it on the podcast, but as, as we were uh, heading out, I was packing up. He said, you know, it's really kind of easier to talk to somebody about what you do when they do the same thing. You know, and, and I thought, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. And, and it felt that way to me also, you know, just really hit the nail on the head. So I will say, and, you know, some of you, especially elementary uh, folks who, who work in elementary schools, you're going to find that uh, I'm a little ignorant of some of the stuff that goes on uh, at elementary, but I really appreciated having the opportunity to learn more. And I did learn from, uh, from this episode. So um, I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is, episode 20. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, Spirit Week next week. Okay. And then we have a Martin Luther King. Uh, we have an MLK award ceremony on Friday. And then the following Monday, we have our walk, our annual mm-hmm. walk. And so this year, we went under um, our theme is Samunye, We Are One. Mm-hmm. And we made this, uh, Mr. Reinhardt, our art teacher, made this beautiful poster on black paper. He painted it as white. It looks like graffiti almost. And it's huh. blue and yellow around it cool. for the school colors. And the kids made emojis uh, to talk about their emotions and how they feel with our mindfulness teacher. Okay, cool. And they glued them on for the last, I think, two periods of the day, and it looks crazy good. You wait, you see, you're gonna like it. I was like, oh my gosh! I was like, oh, they did it! (laughs) I was like, my vision, I see this. So it's good. So you got it to come out of your head and onto the wall. Yeah, I was like, I don't care what the words look like. Just get the, you know. The faces oh, around. They did a good job. Did they do some writing around the emojis too? No, or was it just that just, that was how they were feeling? Just the emotions. Cool. Literally, because we wanted it to be fully accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. And everybody can color. Yeah. And the small ones, the big the ones. And Mr. Mac works with everybody. Nice. So it was good. It was yeah, really cool. good. How long did it take for them to do that? He worked, Mr. Mac decided to allow us to take 
um, his class time this whole week. <laughs> oh, wow. So however long it took them to finish <clears throat> there, mm-hmm. there's a unicorn. There's a Spongebob. Um, so <laughs> That's how cool. they were feeling with Spongebob. Right. I've felt know. that way many times. <laughs> I, know. I don't know what that means, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Cool. Uh, just I want us to start off sort of at uh, what brings you into education, sort of what, what pulls you into this field. Would you like to start? Or would you like no, to go ahead. Okay, so I am in my sixth year of teaching crazy to say that um so let's see six years four years in college so 10 years ago oh yeah i'm coming up on wow my 10 years so you, you started reunion. out knowing this is sort of what you wanted to so do. i knew that i wanted to be a teacher when i was in a senior in high school so in 12th grade i was part of the um teach cadet program at my high school and so for a semester that was a um that was actually a year-long course we're on block schedule um, and uh, I knew I wanted to be a teacher <laughs> mm-hmm. because I was basically challenged to do it um, by a really, really great mentor I had in high school. She was a math teacher. Um, she was also one of our class sponsors. She was just like a warm and caring spirit. Mm-hmm. And I had her my 11th grade, junior year. I was taking pre-calculus and I was taking algebra 2. Nope, mm. take that back. I was taking pre-calculus and trigonometry. Mm. Oh my gosh. I can't in 11th even remember grade? all the stuff. I, 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 I love math, so I can remember that because that was the end. I wanted mm-hmm. that to be the end. Um, and so in that 11th grade year, I was taking um, trigonometry with her, and I was taking uh, pre-calculus with another teacher. And I complained about the way the other teacher uh, instructed us. I was just not pleased. I felt like he didn't make a lot of sense and that I could do a better job of teaching Mm -hmm. the class, which oftentimes we would spend a lot of periods like just teaching each other. And so she told me, she was like, stop coming in my classroom and complaining about it and just prove to me that you could be a better teacher than he is. And so I was like, okay, I can go out here and be a teacher and I'll be a better teacher than he is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so going into senior year, I signed up to teach a cadet. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm willing to give up two whole courses to do this. And I got placed in a first grade classroom at the okay. elementary school um, back at home. And I like instantly fell in love. Like, so first grade is already magical. <laughs> right, Absolutely. right. <laughs> first grade, best grade. Um, but For sure. I was like, oh my gosh, here's this whole time. I love math. I was like, I'm going to teach, teach high school math. Mm-hmm. Then I got in this first grade classroom. I was like, why would I ever box myself into just teaching like one content area when I can literally like teach everything? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I get to work with the same kids like all year. You know, you get to really like be in control. And I mm-hmm. think honestly, when people when students ask me, it's like, why why did you become a teacher? I was like, well, because I like to be in control. That's the piece. Mm-hmm. Of it. But when I talk about having power and being in control, it looks totally different than what most people think about when they hear those. Yeah, words. I was actually gonna say, well, what do you mean by that? So, so at, like it's a huge responsibility to be an educator mm-hmm. and you are literally controlling part of the outcome for a set of students mm-hmm. that rests on you. So if you choose to come to work and be mediocre in your job, then children get mediocre education. If you choose to come to work and be superior at what you do, then students get superior education. There's a direct outcome from the input that right. we provide as educators. And so that was fascinating to me, to know that I get to come to work and essentially we work for school division. We work, you know, under a principal, but you're your own boss. Like there's nobody in your classroom like looking over you 
to tell you, do this now, now do this, and this is what I want you to do next. Mm-hmm. And like, no, like you walk in the classroom, kids come, and then the day starts, and it's your it's off to the races. You yeah. know, it's off to you design what happens. So is that was that something you felt when you took that? Uh, program in in high school you, you're like you're feeling that or was that something that you picked up on from how the program I, was designed I think, where, where did you realize that I think that's where I fell in love with elementary ed because I got to see that one teacher design an entire day mm-hmm. for students and so I knew I wanted to be a teacher because you know I'm driven by competition and then <laughs> that, that teacher Miss Powell I'll name her uh, yeah. you know motivating me to go out there and prove that I could do it was one piece and so I was like okay I like math I'm going to teach high school math. Right, yeah. Um, and then I got in this first grade class and was like, no, I'm not going to teach high school math. I, I want to teach elementary school. In particular, I want to teach between kindergarten and second grade. Like, that's my bubble. That's exactly what I want to teach. Right. And I want to be able to work with kids and set the foundation for students and their families to know what quality instruction looks like. So you feel like you um, like you upped the ante on that teacher where you're like, I got oh. to Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, sis. <laughs> if, 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 if I ran into him today, we would probably have a conversation about it. We'd yeah. Okay. Have, All right. That's funny. Actually, knowing like what good practice looks like, I can just go back. I have vivid memories of what that experience was like sitting in his classroom mm-hmm. day in and day out. Oh. And because I love math, it wasn't so much my struggles with like mastering content. It was like watching my peers around me. Yeah. Um, so did that help you when you got to college since you had a good picture of where you were going? I think in the back of my mind, I always had this like clear picture that I'm coming to college to be a first grade teacher. Mm-hmm. Like that was my thing. I'm going to be a K-2 teacher. And mm-hmm. so like everything that I did in college, I mean, I did <laughs> a lot, especially when it came to like deciding um, when and how I was going to like pick certain courses and when to do mm-hmm. this and where to do mm-hmm. that. So you had that picture of you being in that classroom. Absolutely. God, I wish I'd had something like that when I was in school because I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> how about you? What did the, what brought you into education? Surprisingly enough, um, I was an excellent student. I've always loved school. School mm-hmm. was my thing. Like I was the kid that had perfect attendance from kindergarten to 12th grade. I think like in real life, I had missed two days, but they were excused because I traveled with my aunt, who's an endocrinologist, to another country during a medical convention. So it was like, oh, we can give her credit, she'll do her work, whatever, so they excused it. But I literally would never miss school. Like school, I knew that I had a really different connection to school. Um, And I didn't really know how to express that. So I thought I was gonna be like a diplomat or maybe I would be a neonatologist. I thought I wanted to work with babies. And then I got to a science class and I was like, College science? What are y'all doing in here? What is this? Oh, listen to me. (laughs) I was like, no, thank you. No, thank you. And I called my mom. I remember calling my mom and saying, so I obviously can't. This is not for me. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know yet. I was like, but I do know that I'll leave with a master's in something Mm -hmm. since I'm going to be here. And I was like, let me just kind of do some exploring. And she's like, well, Whitney, you change your mind every week. Whatever. That's how she (laughs) treats me. I love my mother. Um, And so when I did some research at UVA, I found out that there was a master's in teaching program and then there was a master's in public health. And I started to think about why I wanted to work with small babies and like, was it the babies or was it working, you know, with actual kids? And I've always liked kids. My siblings are 12 years younger and nine years younger than me. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, my first day of high school, my brother started kindergarten. 
So are you so the oldest? I am the oldest. Okay. Yes. And so I kind of had always been teaching. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I called one day and I was like, I think I'm going to be a teacher. And she was like, we'll see how long you like it. Um, and so we did a program at UVA. You can sign up for their program to do your five years master's, mm-hmm. uh, master's of teaching program. And then prior to that, they give you like a summer uh, program to do to see if you really want to do it. What's, and you what get is to, that? Um, what do they do with that? Yeah, so you go to a class that uh-huh. gives you some history on education and just kind of, it kind of just explains to you like whatever you see in the world, mm-hmm. you will see in schools. Like if you work at a school that is going to expose true. you to the yeah. world, uh, schools are panaceas of society. Mm-hmm. And I remember like she, her saying that and being like, maybe I don't want to do that. <laughs> and then they gave us a placement. It was just like a camp placement where we had to like go in and teach students and show students things. And I really liked it. I just kind of felt, it felt really natural to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a spirit child. So like me and kids are always <laughs> ebbing and flowing. Right. So I thought it was very natural. And so I decided like, yes, this is for me. And I enrolled at UVA in the five-year program. And I kind of never looked back. I did elementary placements throughout my time and Gratefully, in this community, there are so many great schools, but so many schools that are so different. Like literally less than a mile away, Mm -hmm. you get an entirely different experience with students and families, you know? Um, And so the schools that I went to, I just remember thinking like, wow, y'all are like in a two mile radius and you're absolutely opposite. And I do do instructional coaching and I was talking to Brandon earlier and uh, I been to all of the high schools and they're totally different each one of them right same thing i mean i've been to all the middle schools but two of them and they're all yes exactly and that that was amazing to me you know Mm -hmm. where i lived our schools were kind of different just our community there were small pockets Mm -hmm. of uh students who maybe have been underprivileged but that didn't make a difference because so many of us were just all around. So Mm -hmm. I I had never seen that until I came to Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. So I experienced these different placements and I just had a really great time. Um, And I just loved it. I literally loved it. And just like Brandon said, I knew that I was supposed to teach small children. Right. Um, I was like, these little humans, they're probably for me. Like they need me to guide them and they all love you so much. And that is something that you can't recreate. Like even when you, um, even when it's a bad day, they forget. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they forget that you know they totally forget and i remember going to a high school placement that's not how it is at high school exactly i remember going to a high school placement there are held. and that was one of the yeah. things that um the lady that i was teaching under that she reminded me of she was like no these kids are like on their way to adulthood mm-hmm. she was like if there's a bad interaction it's bad she mm-hmm. was like that energy can stay there for a very long time mm-hmm. until you know this person is ready to evolve or until you try to you know get them mm-hmm. to evolve and i remember being there and I, i'll never forget this one boy comes to the class one day and says oh i told michael you gave me your phone number and I was mortified. I think I was 20 <laughs> yeah, years old or yeah. 21. And I was like, oh my gosh, why would you lie about this? Like, this is my life. Right. And yeah, then I decided yeah. immediately high school is not for me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, no, I, I will wait yeah. until I am older, but you will not get me like that. Um, and so I came to the wonderful world of K2. I taught SPED three through five. And then I went to first grade for mm-hmm. seven and a half years. And now I teach K1. Okay. And... I am like I'm a real I'm a real lower elementary right girl. On. Yeah. Like I don't want to go anywhere else. Yeah. Well, I I did. I, I haven't spent much time in the elementary. Uh, You're missing world. out. That's what. It, well, and so I did do an admin degree, right? Mm-hmm. And so I 
part of that, you have to go into different schools. I went to this one elementary school, and I was out on playground duty with the with the with the, with the adults. And all of a sudden, I just had a kid come up. He's like, "Hey, hey, come here, come here." I'm like, "What's up?" You know, because I'm like, I'm used to being in high school. Like, yeah. right? I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, "Anything." I want to. I want to take you. Wanna, we made dinner for you, yes. and I was like, "What?" And they had they had a whole pretend dinner Absolutely. set up for me because I was the new guy, and then uh, and then they they were telling me all the cool stuff they were making me, and then uh, you know they were like, "All right," and then the same kid would come up. He gave me a big hug after we after we'd played dinner, and then he says. Um, if you want to ever come over for real dinner, just let me know. You come to my house, yeah. and I was like, "It's like, what is yes. going on that's here?" How they, no, that's how they are. Yeah. Yeah. I can't recreate the feeling. People are like, "Oh my gosh, how do you do this job?" And I'm like, "It's hard, but you can't recreate that feeling." Like kids genuinely love you. I, uh, I was just talking about that with our principal right before I came mm-hmm. and had the privilege to be on your beautiful podcast. Aww. And she was like, we were talking about one kid in particular. She talked about you too, Brandon. And she was like, I just saw her walk up yesterday and she stood and gave him a hug and walked away. And, walked and I was like, away. she does it every single day. She just mm-hmm. needs that like heart connection. Like mm-hmm. you're my mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And then she goes away. And you, I don't think you can get that in middle school and high school. You and can, the age but it's is a tricky. different, it's, it's a different animal. It's, it's tricky, not just right? somebody walking up and hugging you usually. That that might get a little weird. We, and exactly. You know, and I so. think it, it begins exactly. to happen in elementary school because, you know, yes, in my current yes. role as a gifted resource teacher supporting kindergarten through fifth, while a kindergartner will just come up and randomly give me a hug. For a fifth grader, it's a high five. It's Absolutely. a fist bump, you know. Yeah. They transition to like, I just right. want to give you a side. Right, yeah. yes. And right. that's appropriate. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. But yeah. the lower, the students in the lower grades, they're just phenomenal because you just don't ever know what you're going to get out of yeah. them. And that, that was that was exactly it. It was like, uh, I think it was pre-K and K was who was on the playground that day. And they so. definitely will invite you to their homes. They'll invite yeah. you to everything. Yeah. Everything they have. They want to go, can you come to this? Yeah, we're going to go fishing. You want to come? <laughs> yeah. My dad's taking me. Yeah. That's what, I mean, it is one of the things for me, just trying to wrap my head around how you approach a class full of kids that are at that stage in life. I'm a Cub Scout leader, right? Okay. Yes. So I have a little yes. bit of a feel for it, but I don't think it's exactly the same thing. I'm done after you know, 45 minutes. You get to give them back. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, okay, all right. It was great to that see was you guys. okay. Yeah. What's the process for trying to really solidify the classroom community so that you're able to get them moving along on their education? So I think, I, t- I taught, I was a classroom teacher before, um, prior to being a gifted resource teacher An for three years. An excellent classroom teacher. And I taught kindergarten. First, My first year was multi-age uh, kindergarten first, and then mm-hmm. the two years after that was uh, kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the first things I learned is you you never really solidify it because okay. if you're being responsive to the needs of the kids, they grow like exponentially over the course of the school year. And so as you're responding to the needs of them as learners, like socially, emotionally, and, and academically, you're kind of always evolving, like what happens and when it happens in the classroom. Absolutely. But many elementary teachers will tell you, like routines and consistency mm-hmm. are the glue that hold it all together. It's like deciding the structures, the routines, 
and the procedures that are going to make you most efficient and effective as an instructor mm -hmm. and are those that are going to support students while also giving them the opportunity to thrive mm -hmm. uh, are key components to kind of developing what your classroom looks like like just that the soft pieces of it so you mm -hmm. yeah you can design the classroom where these things are going to be housed all of that matters you mm -hmm. know those pieces matter but it's the soft structures and the routines mm -hmm. and the way that you and the students can co-design how you mm -hmm. occupy and, and flow through the spaces. Like, is that something you, you both just kind of get the kids in on that Absolutely. process? <laughs> Brandon is very analytical. Okay. So he literally can like see a space and like see them moving. Mm -hmm. I struggle. So a lot of times I'm like, come help me look at this. Like, help me see where we would do. Yeah, yeah. Like, let me see, Brandon. Where would, how would they move through this space? But I think that like a, a major key is being flexible. Mm -hmm. um, we have the privilege of being in a school right now where we are so flexible. I mean, it's flexible down to like our physical materials are flexible. Mm -hmm. We move our classrooms however we want them. We move things around. But also being willing to be flexible enough that if something is not working for kids, it doesn't mm -hmm. stay. Like literally, I've been in Brandon's classroom one day and it's changed the next day. Or he's been in my room one day and we've moved everything around the next day because we saw that the kids either weren't responding appropriately or maybe it wasn't creating the culture we wanted. Maybe it was too divisive in their spacing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's a really big thing that I think I'm really aware of. Am I creating spaces where kids can come and be together, mm -hmm. um, where they can build relationships? where they can try to build community, where they are able to build community with me. Like, am I accessible physically to them? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a huge thing. And I also think when I'm thinking about what we're creating, a bit, a very, very large part of moving them across this learning continuum, like most definitely routines, absolutely. That's a necessity mm -hmm. for small children. We have a routine for everything. You line up with a routine, mm -hmm. you clean up with a routine. It's just how we have to do our school day to make it through it. But also creating relationships and partnerships specifically is what uh, Brandon and I have been educated to do. Mm -hmm. uh, we create partnerships with the kids and families. Mm -hmm. And that is one of, I think, the most important things that we try to establish early in our school year is to create teacher-child partnerships, parent partnerships, mm -hmm. but also kid-to-kid -kid relationships yes. and partnerships. We do specific things to have them working together, communicating with each other, and also even sometimes communicating when it's uncomfortable. Because unbeknownst to a lot of people at the age that we have, little girls and little boys, sometimes they get to like really weird part of the year and they only want to talk to the girls mm -hmm. or they only want to talk to the boys. So designing a space where um, there's a space for that, right. you have that time to do that, but also having the energy and the ability to be like, now's the time for us to come together and right. you're going to partner here. Is and that something where when they, they like gather in like same sex groups, is that something where it kind of hits always around the same time of the year? I mean, over time, you begin I'm sorry to if I derailed that, no, but I'm no, just no, no, like, no. that's interesting. Like, over, over time, you see different trends. Yes. And um, I think it, it looks a lot differently based on the school that you're Absolutely. at. Absolutely. So, um, depending on how many different neighborhoods and the makeup of the na those neighborhoods uh -huh. will determine what that looks like for a certain school. So, for example, if you work at a school that's pull that covers a large amount of area, and so 
many of your kids aren't necessarily in walking distance in terms right. of neighborhoods. They, just, they have so to make a special trip people, or something. Right, yeah. They only see each other at school. Yeah. The way they socialize mm-hmm. and interact with each other is going to be different than maybe like neighborhood schools where right. I live on the same row of houses or townhouses yeah. or, or an apartment building with five other people mm-hmm. that right. are in my grade exactly. or in my classroom. Exactly. Okay. Th- yeah. th- that's going to look a lot differently. And, and a lot of it for us, because we're talking about kindergarten and first grade students, right, right. who for some, like kindergarten, that's their first time coming to school. Others might have done, you know, been in preschool since the time they were in three. So that is mm-hmm. also a component that's going to really determine what that socialization looks like. But it tends to happen. It like, does. Like, it's so crazy, too. Like, that's just something February, I March, have yes. that early spring. February, yes. March. February, March. And with first grade oh, okay. girls in that spring, <laughs> I always used to be like, I used to warn their parents at yeah. our second conference, like, I just want you to know things might amp up. <laughs> and that's just how it is. But yeah. we know developmentally, thankfully, people are doing the research. It's, Thank you for the right. research. We know that's what it's a fact. Right. It right. actually is a real fact. Yeah. You I know? have to pull out that yardstick book yes. this time oh, of year. Yardsticks. Yeah. That's one of the Bibles. <laughs> What is the, the, the yard, yardstick? So, story. oh my gosh, I'm, I just talked about this book and I'm trying to recall the author's name. I got you. Um, but yardsticks, it. it's it's a text. Oh, a, okay, yes, okay. All book. right, you're talking about a text. I thought you yes. meant literal yardsticks. No, no, no. You're no, no, bringing no, no. those but out. It, I'm like, it is a, a text that uh, talks about the developmental benchmarks mm-hmm. for children um, across ages. Like, I want to say it's four to 14. Four to 14. Yeah, for uh, children four to 14. Um, the author is Chip Woods. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, and like that book is always helpful because we pay attention to so many little things in mm-hmm. elementary school. Like birthdays are really important, oh not just God. for the sake of celebrating, you do not but, want to miss but the yeah. developmental aspect of so a child that's in kindergarten, mm-hmm. a child that turned five in October mm-hmm. means they turned five while everyone wasn't in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. in October and they went October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August as a five-year-old before they came to school. So they're almost six. They're almost right. six versus the same child in a kindergarten classroom who turned five in September. So they're four when they came to kindergarten. Right, yeah, yeah. And so they are going to turn five while we're, you know, when we first start school or mm-hmm. a child with a late summer birthday, a right. July or August. Just yeah. Turn, just turned like, that matters because mm-hmm. developmentally, the same two children in a classroom, an October birthday and a July birthday, might present very different profiles. Absolutely. That's true. Well, that's a bigger percentage of their life. Yeah. Well, and I also mean, just exposure, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like exposure to life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exposure to more people. It makes a difference. We started the school year, Brandon like and I, one with one sixth of their life. Right. With a, four, five. One sixth of my life isn't six. that long. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and it, I mean, the book is just a really solid view. I mean, down to like physically what you should see. I remember I used to tell our volunteers in first grade if somebody falls out of a chair, don't worry. Their equilibriums okay. are developing okay. mm-hmm. and they do it all year long. <laughs> it's okay. And people will be like, Are you serious? And then somebody would fall off the chair. Like, oh, yeah. You're telling just, me about that. And I would that. just yeah. be like, Look at him like, and yeah. you know, just get back up. You're okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so all of those things, I think, um, you know, go into how we're building the community. And I also think that the kids, you know, they know because they know how old each other are. Mm-hmm. So they know when somebody's younger than them and they need to like help them along. I mean, it's so magical to see that. You know, mm. they definitely know. Like, okay, I gotta help you because you don't know how we do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's that's huge when you can get a community yes. like that in your classroom. We work hard for it. Oof. Oh, you have to. I mean, 
It's hard work. I mean, I'm so grateful. Um, we can do that with the adults. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I mean. and Brandon and I teach together currently in a in a certain way, and we share students, thankfully. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny to see the community that he creates in his space also be a community that's very visible in my space amongst themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like they are still a full community in my room with both grades, but the grade that he teaches in his room is their own small community too. And that's just really cool to see because they depend on each other because mm -hmm. they spend a portion of their time without me mm -hmm. and without the rest of their classmates. So yeah. it's a really it's a really dynamic thing to see. Uh, but I, it also reminds me very frequently that kids are so malleable. Like they are willing to like if they trust you and they know that you you know that you're gonna benefit them, mm -hmm. they're malleable. No, it's true. I mean that holds true throughout yes. the grades. I mean I know that one of the things that for me as a teacher was a huge realization is when the kids got your back. You know, absolutely. Like they see the principal and they're like, "Why is he in here? <laughs> he, he didn't. He's not trying." <laughs> get you or something you, is he you and you're like and you're like and these are like seniors <laughs> yeah. and you're like no it's all good they're easy it's fine you know and they're like, all right I was all right show. i was just yeah <laughs> and you're like that's kind of cool that he was worried Absolutely. about me you know or, so are you okay like yeah. i i don't know sometimes i run into things in my classroom a lot yeah they're like Miss Hayden, are you okay, I'm okay. yeah yeah but i mean it goes a long way well, you know if you can if you can have that trust in there absolutely I, I did want to get back to something you had mentioned, Whitney, about mm -hmm. um, routine and then flexibility. How do those play with each other? Because they they seem like they're <laughs> at odds. Yeah. Right? It, like, how do you make flexibility work with routine still so being intact? If you just break it down a little bit to just the science, like the doing the same things over and over in the same order creates automaticity. And so mm -hmm. you kind of get that muscle memory. And mm -hmm. so... Where the flexibility piece comes in is, okay, if it's every day, we come to school, we do morning meeting, and then we do language arts from 8.30 to 10, let's say. Come on, day. Um, so let's say the routine during language arts is we do something together, mm -hmm. whole group, and then we go and we do, we do small group rotation. Right. Something like that. Mm -hmm. So let's say, okay, that's our schedule. That's our routine. We always do that. Well, then, you know, next week comes, and then next week we have to have an assembly. And the assembly falls from 8.45 to 9.45. Well, that's smack dab in the middle of our language arts. Right. So the routine and the it's helpful because we're going to start the day like we normally do. We're going to start language arts. We'll do language arts from 8.30 until the time that we normally would. We're going to go to this assembly, and then when we come back, we'll say, okay, we're going to go right into our small group. Mm -hmm. right. like we're gonna do the, we're gonna do rotation and having built the routine and the structure is helpful because whenever you have to go devoid that kids know what to do exactly. right or uh oh, I'm sick so I'm not coming to work mm -hmm. but my sub plans are gonna say Tell you know X Y and Z this. and yeah. because that is a routine and we built the structure and the expectations mm -hmm. for it the kids will just do it so the learning doesn't necessarily stop right. yeah yeah and I think that that speaks to there being a routine where kids feel like they have the buy-in, mm -hmm. you know? So just because we miss a portion of it doesn't mean our like we're not going to get any learning in. Mm -hmm. I feel like when they come, especially to our classes, they know we're going to get learning in today mm -hmm. at some point. Even if we miss an hour mm -hmm. because we're going out of here for a meeting, we're flexible enough to do that. Brandon and I, Brandon is that type of educator as well. I verbalize that. We're being flexible today. Mm -hmm. we, have, we are going to be gone for this period of time, but we're going to pick up at our schedule. So you're priming them saying Absolutely. this is how it's going to look. Mm -hmm. 
so that when you get there, you're like, remember I told you how Absolutely. this is going to look? Okay. And also being, I mean, thinking, just trying to be ahead. You know, I think that sometimes uh, people just want to be in control for the sake of being control. But the kids also are, are beings that want to have some of their own control. Mm -hmm. And so I think just giving them that, you know, primer ahead of time, you know the schedule. Mm -hmm. We'll be gone for this long. When we come back, you know what our routine is going to be. That gives them some independence and in saying, okay, I'm prepared. Mm -hmm. I'm re I, don't, I don't have to be shocked by anything. Mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, our students are so normal. So used to their routine, they will ask, okay, well, if our morning meetings today, when does that mean we're going to do this? Mm -hmm. You know, and if we change it, then they're like, mm -hmm. okay, so we're not going to do it. Will we get to do it then? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that, that that's a part of the flexibility inside of the routine. But, you know, if somebody, if something great comes across our table or if Mr. Reedus has an opportunity for kids or if I have an opportunity for kids, I'm just flexible with it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I believe that's the type of teacher I am. I believe in that. If we have something to, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we can, we'll be flexible. We can pick this daily five, which is what we, we, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. we can pick this up at another time. Mm -hmm. I can imagine, too, like having something where if like an opportunity comes up where you can do something fun and different than that. Absolutely. To make mm -hmm. it a special thing so that they're refreshed when they come back. I don't yes. know. Is, is that how it plays out usually or no? Most of the time it does. So, um, from our school of thought, we don't do anything new on Fridays in our classroom. No new learning happens just because mm -hmm. of how the brain works. So on Fridays, typically in younger grades, we have a day that's full of exploration or kind of um, it can be a student guided exploration mm -hmm. or something that can ignite learning that's going to be happening um, or to close out learning that's happened, mm -hmm. depending. And so we just kind of make it so that it fits inside of what they know. So, for instance, today, my students, they had a volunteer. Here. Okay. They had an independent project, and then their other teacher was pulling them, and I was pulling them for something mm -hmm. simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And everybody's still doing exactly what they know to do because they know the routine. You know, it's like it's magic nice sometimes. Get, it, it, yeah. it is. <laughs> it's yeah. like magic. I don't well, think I of that when I'm doing it. Like when I see a classroom, and it's like in elementary, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That's a lot happening. It is. It is a lot happening. Um, well, why don't we take a look um, at some of the uh, texts and pedagogies that you guys are uh, are using? Um, I know you mentioned yardsticks just a minute ago. Um, what are some other things that um, you use to kind of guide your practice? Also, I mean, you wanted to even get into mentors. Like you had mentioned, you had a mentor um, when you were doing your, your program in high school. Mm -hmm. You can bring up some people like that as well, if that's a huge influence. We both were part of the culturally responsive teaching certification cohort, mm -hmm. um, which is designed specifically here in our school division back in the 16, 17 school year. Oh my gosh. I know. Is this the, is this, so this would be the third year, is that correct? This is the fourth year. Fourth year, okay. This current year is the fourth year of it. We were in the second um, cohort of people to math. go through that. <laughs> <laughs> I just know because you I, right I'm, I'm, Silent. Just keep it quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just had that conversation with someone. That's how I knew. Yeah. Um, but um, going through that process was super transformative mm -hmm. to my practice. Um, and uh, we use the text culture responsive teaching of the brain mm -hmm. by Zaretta Hammond. Yeah. yeah, I got um, a chance to talk with her. Yes. It was really awesome. <laughs> um, to kind of, that text kind of guides and informs uh, lots of parts of that work. Mm -hmm. And so that's been something that I've been referring to uh, quite frequently. Um, 
over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the biggest. Like, if I had to pick up a text, that's like that's the first one. That's like first one because mm-hmm. between that text and I guess the second part of my professional learning would be my professional learning network, which I've kind of designed and mm-hmm. developed on Twitter. Okay, uh, uh, would be the my other go to place where I'm just kind of connected to like people. Is that kind of, is that like through Twitter chats or is it more just sort of an informal? I follow both. some people that I okay. I would say both. More so, just in the people I follow, okay, um, who really uh, build me up and really drive me to question, mm-hmm. practice, right, how I do things and why I do them. Mm-hmm. Um, like really, some really, really, really reflective voices. Yeah. Is there anybody that stands out through that process that you that you would recommend to um, others that you're like maybe you should follow this person? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Whitney, you remember Val Brown? Val. Um, let me see if I can get shout out to Val. What's her Twitter? I'll find it. Um, but she uh, works with uh, Teaching Tolerance. Okay. Um, and we had that's a that's a magazine. Is that right? Magazine. I think I've an seen organization. organization. It is. Oh, that's right. It is an organization. Um, it's came an organization out of publication. the right. Southern. What is it? Is it Southern Poverty Saturday Law Board. Center? Right. Yes. And okay. the right. work is amazing. The work is amazing. We had the privilege of going and sharing space with Val last year um, at a one day conference. Brandon and I drove. I had an engagement. Brandon and I drove at what ten at ten p.m. Yeah, something like to that. North Carolina. <laughs> I fell asleep on him. Bless God. Sorry. You weren't driving, were you? He, I'm he was driving. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> really, I was not driving. But yeah. we went last year, and it really—I mean, um, first of all—to choose to be with people who are doing the work is a choice. Mm-hmm. So you're surrounded by other people who want to right. engage in that type of work. Uh, but Val is just dynamic. She's a dynamic person a dynamic speaker um definitely a thought leader in equity work and mm-hmm. so definitely shout out to her did you find it yeah so if you uh search up val val um and brown the co- like the color um on twitter you will find her she's great because she has a way of not speaking a lot of academic talk at you mm-hmm. but coming from a place of just speaking from experience mm-hmm. and what she's gathered but she's also just like this comedic relief, oh, <laughs> which she, is like yes, so she throws fun. some humor in. Huh? Yes, she and so uh, like I can instantly like connect with that because I often kind of think in the same way. I can definitely get a point across without giving you a lot of super academic scientific right, yeah, vocabulary yeah. and language, um, and have the same effect. And then just participating in various Twitter chats and things like that mm-hmm. to really like just hear the thoughts of other people. I think because I personally. Um, find more value in experiences, mm-hmm. actually having them myself. So professional learning experiences, being able to immerse myself in learning and hearing about the experience of others over necessarily um, reading and, yeah. and writing about it, right. per se. Um, well, so. I think with like a Twitter chat too, especially, um, if somebody says something, you have the ability to ask them about it right, right. then and there as soon as they've said it. Whereas if you're reading a book, I mean, maybe you'll remember to email the author if that's something you think to do. Right. Right. So it's a it's a it's a totally different way of engaging with concepts and ideas. Absolutely. That, that's in real time, and you can get. And sometimes the authors are on there, like be in there, and you'll be like, "Whoa, hey, so and so's in here." So I participated in my first Twitter chat this year with one of our colleagues. Um, so sometimes I'm like a little slow to the draw. 
Um, I had never done one, which which is kind of wild, mm. but I was so intrigued by it. I yeah. didn't know necessarily that there was like this whole thing going on that people right. are act like yeah. live and people are responding. And I thought it was so cool. Brandon was like, girl, I do this all the time. <laughs> but, but I was so like amazed by it. Yeah. And it was somebody that we love. And so it was, it was really cool to just engage in that way. And also to see the communities, mm -hmm. um, to see teacher communities like outside of That's physical really space, like yeah. literally across the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and being able to, I guess, share and to consider mm -hmm. and to mold ideas. I, I just think that's kind of, it's a really magical privilege that mm -hmm. I feel like we have in this moment. Um, one of the things that I like is finding a good sized Twitter chat because when they're too big, it's like you were saying, like, I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> it's, a, it's like, brrr, yeah. and just like stop. And you so, can't even find a spot. Yeah. But when you get into one that's a good, good size there's enough talk going on and it's interesting but it's not going so fast then uh, i mean that's my speed i don't know yeah maybe i'm just not fast enough but Listen. you know <laughs> i probably connection <laughs> there we go so i was thinking of while brandon was talking about some people that like i really really value in this journey mm -hmm. um we were so privileged to be together for our certification it was hard work mm -hmm. <laughs> It was really hard work, um, mm -hmm. but it was so worthwhile. It literally shifted my entire practice. I thought I was a great teacher. Mm -hmm. I knew I was a great teacher. And it made me be a more present, intentional teacher, mm -hmm. which added to my practice. Um, and so Brandon's going to hate this, but this is my friend, but he's also an amazing teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and so he is definitely one of my oh, peer my mentors. Yeah. I yeah. love him to death. He always has an idea for me or a thought for me. And so that's really important as my friend, because it's hard to find teacher friends sometimes that you it really is, yeah. like want to have around all the time. And literally, I want him around all the time. <laughs> um, and then, um, thankfully, in our house, in our family, um, in Albemarle County Public Schools, we have a equity friends and family and leadership team that really has made me grow forced and, and me to that, grow that family is growing yes. too because uh, i mean absolutely i've heard that the uh the program is much larger this year than it was oh, last year absolutely. And it was, last year was larger than, than the year before that yeah. so yes it continues yeah. to grow um i think another mentor in our community would definitely be miss leilani keys for me oh, yeah. um always stretching me mm -hmm. always stretching me with love even That's when good. I don't want her yeah. to stretch me. Miss um, <laughs> Leslie Wells, I know Brandon probably feels the same way. Mm -hmm. Always stretching, you mm -hmm. know, reminding us of who we are, why we do the work, and um, the intentionality behind we're doing behind why we do the work. And then I recently just started following, what's funny, I was trying to look. I recently just started following a lady on Instagram. And um, I think that I like her because she is somewhat political. Mm -hmm. Um, but she definitely speaks about what it looks like to be, um, a culturally responsive teacher, but also to be a person of color and to be possibly existing in a space that's not very diverse and the intersectionality of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's I found her pieces. Absolutely. Yeah. And I found her on Instagram. Um, it's at read like a rock star spelled out everything mm -hmm. at read like a rock star. And I just like her. I just like I just think that she posts really solid content. What's her name? Um, her name is Naomi O'Brien. Okay. 
And she's definitely a social and racial justice advocate, as am I. Mm -hmm. I'm a people advocate, a human Mm -hmm. being advocate for sure. (laughs) But definitely justice uh, is a priority. So I just, the energy that's coming from that space and the good teaching that's coming from that space is super solid. Oh, yeah. Uh, With with that equity piece, like transitioning into that. how does um, how does equity look at the elementary level? I mean, I've been seeing it at the high school mm-hmm. level, especially because I've been working at all of those. Uh, but I don't really see what it looks like here. You know, I see it at middle school and high school, but I don't really get a get a feel for what's going on in in elementary. I think there are so many layers to just that idea of what like equity. It when you think about like academics and achievement, when you think about access, opportunity, like there there are so many different areas where you could just pinpoint where things are equitable mm-hmm. and where mm-hmm. inequity exists. Yes. Right. So I my answer to that question is that it looks different based on the makeup of your school. Because if you're working in a school that's really um, homogeneous in terms of the racial makeup mm-hmm. or the uh, socioeconomic makeup of the school, then equity is going to look differently mm-hmm. than it is if you're working in a school that's really, really diverse, both mm-hmm. racially and socioeconomically. Mm-hmm. So I w- just speaking from the current school that I've been in, I'm now in my school for three years. And when I think about our school, when we think about equity, it's through multiple lenses. Mm-hmm. And as a social justice warrior, which is what I define myself as, you know, I'm always thinking about just on a basis of identity. Where are we equitable and where are we inequitable in terms of gender? Absolutely. Okay. Where are we at in terms of race? Mm-hmm. Where are we at in terms of ability level? So being mm-hmm. able bodied versus being disabled. Absolutely. Like what does that look like just in terms of who the humans are mm-hmm. that move throughout the building. Mm-hmm. Thinking about those things before we even talk about anyone's opportunity or social economic status that also they you know come into the building with. Just as a human, right. how are we being equitable to both male and female or those who don't identify with either one of those labels? Right. Where are we at in terms of someone's ability to access all parts of the building, that is, for me, is the starting point because Mm -hmm. that's going to cover the basis for a lot Mm -hmm. of people just being able to feel like this is a space that's welcome and open for everyone. Mm -hmm. And honestly, those two things for me happen before I even think about race. Mm -hmm. Before I think about race, I'm thinking uh, through that lens, that identity lens of gender and ability level. Those are Mm -hmm. huge for me. And then you factor in that piece about race. And when dealing with smaller children, a lot of people shy away from conversations like this because they don't see it as being applicable. And I like to argue the inverse because this is where we grow do you feel tomorrow's. like it's, do you feel like it's just applicability or do you feel like there's maybe some discomfort in in trying to address it with kids? There's a lot of that. And and especially because the adults are the ones that often make a lot of decisions about what happened in mm-hmm. schools. Yeah. Um, especially at the elementary level. Mm-hmm. Um, student voice can be smashed or just not heard or not mm-hmm. welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, at the elementary level really, really easily. I'm happy. I don't work in that type of school, but it, right. that can be the case. And so when adults are not comfortable having those conversations or not thinking through those types of lenses, then students don't have those types of conversations and they don't see through those types mm-hmm. of lenses. And so I think that's a starting point for me. I'm always like, where are we just in terms of like our building and the environment that we're creating mm-hmm. in terms of 
being equitable for anyone who walked through the door, both student and and adult. Mm-hmm. And then, then I can begin to think about other things like um, social economic status, like mm-hmm. you know having kids who come from really marginalized backgrounds, students who come from poverty, students mm-hmm. who come from backgrounds that look like what I looked like growing up, mm-hmm. and, and the honor and you know the lack of deficit thinking right. that I bring to that. Mm-hmm knowing the way that I grew up. It, it's amazing how much the way that we were raised and our cultural frame of reference, right. like the way we see the world impacts, impacts how everything. we plan for other people and how Absolutely. we see other people. Like that, that's huge. Really, really huge. Yeah, and I think, you know, like I said, our, what we went through for our certification process for culture responsive teaching, it made us into better teachers intentionally. That's mm-hmm. what the process does. And so even thinking from my cultural frame of reference, to be able to see the honor in other people's cultural frame of reference, mm-hmm. um, it definitely shifted that. I think Brandon definitely covered the major bases. And then I think I go down even a little smaller to equity and think about like equitable voice. Like who's being heard? What am I saying? Mm-hmm. And what are my students hearing? Mm-hmm. Are they hearing a person that values all of these these small bodies mm-hmm. and that values wherever they are in their continuum of growth? Mm-hmm. able-bodied non-able-bodied in some ways and even you know on a gender spectrum mm-hmm. i remember we brandon and i had a conversation at the beginning of the year talking about people saying guys or people saying oh, like, separating hey guys kids. to a mixed group yeah or, or people mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. um boys line up girls line up mm-hmm. and it was so crazy because at the time i said wow you're absolutely right i do that i think i did it yeah, today yeah. and so that that attention and the desire to always be a an educator that is that is equitable and thoughtful, you know, our, in our conversations, it just made a switch. So myself and the teacher I work with, you know, we say if you're a person that identifies as a girl, mm-hmm. if you're a person that identifies as a boy, and whoever mm-hmm. moves, move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whoever moves, moves. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. to me if I'm trying to move you around, you know. Mm-hmm. So being really conscious of that. But I think in our school um, specifically, when we think about equity and the work that we do, you know, being able to communicate effectively with our peers. I think that we are constantly growing. You don't master it. You mm-hmm. journey. This right, is a right. journey. But being able to be in a space with other educators who value mm-hmm. equitable space is extremely important to me mm-hmm. um, because I had been in the space um, during my teaching career where that wasn't always the case. Right. Uh, and so I valued that specifically about this space and being with people that are choosing to evolve and change their practice intentionally to impact, um, you know, students positively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's really important. But the equity work that's going on in our current community um it amazes me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's really looking at like achievement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the beauty in elementary school is that you get this vast array of students who you have the honor of teaching. But a piece of that is that they all come at varying levels mm-hmm. right. yeah, of achievement. Right. Yeah. And so it's your job to ensure that all of them are moving forward. Mm-hmm. So on this spectrum of I'm teaching third grade. You know, and I this I have this that says these are my standards that I'm going to teach, and all third graders are going to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. But then my students come at varying points of readiness right, yeah, towards yeah. reaching that goal, even right. those benchmarks and those yeah, standards, absolutely. even as early as kindergarten. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. you know. 
And, yeah, and I remember so, when I brought my my son and my oldest son in for kindergarten, and they had they had things where they were writing their name. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing some kids who could barely write their name, and some kids who you could see that they'd been practicing it. And, this is a fact. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was it, it sort of blew my mind to see that because I hadn't ever really thought about it since I'd never really spent right. Mm-hmm. Time and then the equity in, the in that is: so you're going to teach everybody the same, right? Are yeah. you going to do a blanket there? And mm-hmm. make that assumption, or are you going to give everybody what they need so that we can ultimately mm-hmm. move the mark? Like that is that's our end game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know what moves the mark. We know we are people who close gaps. We, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. That is our intention mm-hmm. in our work. We close gaps. We grow children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, are you giving everybody the support that they need so that they can equitably access the same thing? Mm-hmm. Um, or are you willing to? remove the barriers Absolutely. that prevent students from mm-hmm. having access to what they need to be successful. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yeah. that's a huge thing. Huge. Well, huge. I think um, one of the things that I was, uh, that had come to mind, Whitney, when you're talking about like never really mastering it, right? Yes. Is, and what you were talking about with kids coming in at different levels, not only are you kids coming in with different levels, but you're getting different kids the next year, so you're going to have to do it differently. Yeah. Is that correct? I mean, yeah. I, that seems logical yeah. from what I'm hearing. Absolutely. So, yes. I mean, it you is. can master maybe some some moves, but I, I don't know mm-hmm. if you're going to you're gonna have to learn who these kids are as a group. Yeah, or even thinking I'm going to teach them something the same way. Not all the time, right. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it just depends on who's going to be there and, and what barriers need to be removed so that it mm-hmm. makes learning accessible to them yeah. I know so, oh, go like, ahead. I was just want to say like there's this saying um, I don't know if it's an adage or whatever you want to call it but people will often say that you know like elementary teachers are like student experts mm-hmm. and secondary teachers are content experts mm-hmm. I don't I don't know wh- whether it's true or not well I would I would hope that it's <laughs> not 100% <laughs> true so when, when I hear that the, so when it was first told to me it was said that elementary teachers get really good about learning kids Mm-hmm. And what they need, right? Where secondary teachers get really good about learning content and the depth right. of that said content. Well, I mean, you look at how you get hired and licensed for these positions. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're taking coursework for elementary, it's not okay. You need to take British literature now. <laughs> it's it's right. it's you know. All right. Well, here's some pedagogy around this thing, and and you know, I mean, you do have content that you learn too, but it's I mean. You're working with development, especially. I don't know if that's necessarily true, and I don't totally hold true to like that statement of like kids. You know, these teachers do this and these teachers that. But I do think that's what when teachers nestle into one of the two, Mm -hmm. like that has something to do with it. And I think, especially for I can speak to elementary because I haven't Mm -hmm. taught secondary yet. But. But at, oh, at the elementary, <laughs> but it, I do know that at the elementary level, it's that I gotta learn the kids. Mm-hmm. I have to learn the kids before anything else. My students mm-hmm. and who they are right. is at the forefront of the work that we do. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we do the content. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And then right. throw in the content. Right. Yeah. Throw in the work. Work. The work. Work. <laughs> no, I, I think you know. I think that is one of the challenges, though when you look at the secondary level besides the content is just how long you have those kids in front of you mm-hmm. right because i mean you know you're looking at maybe 90 minutes at best and the way that we have it set up at least in this district is it's 90 minutes every other day mm-hmm. you know um other places it's you know you do it by a semester and so it's 
great and you're moving really fast, but then you're done and then you get a whole new batch and it's like, it's really just like this race, right? you know, but you've got the standards you got to hit. You got, you know, I mean, same thing in elementary, you got to hit all the standards, but you know, now you're dealing with things that affect graduation and, and the stakes just keep getting raised. And so trying to, trying to get all those pieces together and, and, and really, work on that student part is where a lot of people struggle because they're like, no, but I got to get this done. Yeah, I know. I think people take for granted what we do though. (laughs) (laughs) Like I get that in high school, but elementary school is, is its own monster. Like we're doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, and, and not only that, um, a lot of times high schoolers present themselves and don't necessarily present their parents. Mm. Right. Like they just get to walk through school. If something's wrong, you'll hear from their Mm -hmm. parents. No, I have a whole family. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting, you know, their sisters come with a message. Family members coming into the room. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. I mean, that doesn't really, (laughs) (laughs) you know, my classroom. And and not only that, (laughs) it can be a, it can be, you know, an immediate family or mother Mm -hmm. or father. It could mm-hmm. be that your aunt supports you. Right. Mm-hmm. It could be your grandmother coming mm-hmm. in. Okay. It could be your older sister wants to spend the morning, so mm-hmm. she wants to see if she can sharpen pencils. And so I always say, like, these are real, like, we have a real family. Mm-hmm. Like, when I, we talk about classroom community and family, we literally mm-hmm. build out a whole family. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Past and then keeping that, that communication with parents yeah. is very different. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're thinking, especially from our lens as culture responsive teachers, mm-hmm. we keep in contact with parents. Brandon, how many touches did you do oh that year? Oh, that's my favorite thing ever. How many touches you, was that two years ago? You always ask. I know. Find the number. <laughs> An astronomical amount of touches yeah. with families in the thousands. And I remember when he said it the first time, I was like, what? it was like over yeah. 10,000. Touches oh, wow. to fam like with communication mm-hmm. or in person touches with family mm-hmm. members to support mm-hmm. students. Yeah. That is that is what the work looks like mm-hmm. when you're really doing right. bringing everyone yeah, in. Yeah, so. when you're really doing the work. Yeah. And I want I want to make sure too that you know I wasn't like trying to demean or anything. Oh, that, no. yeah. I was like yeah. it was oh, no, more my know. point was more we around know. the time. Frame, yeah, we know it's short. Right? Yeah, yeah, and like, I, it's hard I, work. I would have in a, in a high school you've got so much less time Crushed. with them and that's the thing that really i think a lot of people struggle they, with. but they have the benefit of stamina and <laughs> boy because you, you get a lot done in 90 minutes with people of oh that age God. but you then somebody to. the other yeah. day told me like you think you can you, you think you can they're yeah. like you know they're just yeah. like your kids i'm like yeah, that's a problem <laughs> well we're getting close to time i do want to make sure if there's anything that you uh you guys wanted to bring up either whether it was equity or some other thing that, that we haven't talked about yet that you have a chance to throw that in the mix um no i just would love to hear about your experience doing this and all the doing the various, this yeah and the conversations that you've oh, had you throw like, it back to me okay all right that's fair that's fair um well i i for me as far as like getting into doing this i was um over at monticello my first year as an instructional coach that this is my fourth year okay and um the english department was like you know what our seniors are writing research papers and they hate it and I was like, oh, okay, well, what are we going to do? And so we talked it through, and they decided that it would be a good idea to do sort of a multimedia research thing. And so that would include a website and a podcast. And so I was like, wow. all right, okay. So we set up some uh, grant applications, and we got one, and it was a two-year process to do it. And I um, and I was in co-teaching and, and helping with the process. I knew how to do audio editing and, and things like that, get the kids rolling. And, and I was like, you know what, I'm sitting here telling these kids what to do and I'm not even doing this myself. 
So I decided to do a couple and I started doing that. And, um, and I realized that, you know, I mean, it was mostly the other coaches and some yeah. other people doing it that were listening. And I was like, Oh, I'm getting pretty good feedback from yeah. this. It's kind of fun, you know? And so it encouraged me. And then, um, really, you know, what happened was, um, uh, when Zaretta Hammond came to town, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna see, yes. you know, see if she wants to talk to me. She's like, yeah, sure. That'd be great. I was like, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> me? <laughs> I was like, all right, well, let's do it. <laughs> and so I did it. And it, and that of course encouraged me more. And so I kept doing it. And, um, probably a couple months after that I decided I'd been starting on I'd been doing everything on SoundCloud and then I was like well let me see if I can just do a web page and do it as a web page because then that way there's a place where everybody can go I can post a blog mm-hmm. and I can Same do time. all of that stuff and so uh, that's that's what I did and now I'm, I'm like I feel fine and like if somebody says no to me I'll just be like okay, okay. that's mm-hmm. fine I've had a couple no's but I've also had a lot of yeses and it's, it's the been the no's lead to the yeses that's right. Yeah, it's a, it's like you pay your way to yes on <laughs> yeah on no's. Okay. right. So, but um, it's just it's been really good. I've started getting you know, I, but on my web page I've got analytics. I can uh, see where people yes. are connecting. Like I I got my first one from Russia. Oh wow! Like the other day I was like, what? That's ah, cool. Russia. That's so cool. <laughs> That's a, yeah. So, but then you know, like I've got um. I've got a lot of different, like I'm starting to get some from Australia wow. and things like that where, yeah. you know, and so it's really kind of neat Ooh. to go through and see how it's growing. You know, it's not, it's not like all of a sudden it's, a, it's just happening. It's no. like, okay, I'm going to do this one. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Okay, I'm going to do this one. And, you know, sometimes you'll get surprises like, um, like one of my blog posts, one of my earliest ones. That's getting spread all around Asia. Oh, wow. I don't know why, but it is right, <laughs> and you. it's and it's great. I'm like, I'm awesome. thrilled. Yeah, I'm thrilled to see that. And then I've got um, one episode. Uh, I did one on trauma informed, absolutely. And that one has been one of the highest listened to podcasts that I did. And I, I mean, I, it's very important, but it wasn't what I was expecting, right? You know, so it's been it's been full of really positive surprises. And um, I've, I've really enjoyed the process. It's like, really, I mean, when do you get to sit down and just focus on a conversation these days? You know, I mean, look Rarely. at us. I mean, Rarely. if we were not in front of these microphones, how much would we be looking like, oh, look, so-and-so just texted me. Out. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it takes and it changes the game. So what about you guys? I mean, I'll throw it back. Same question. So I think for me, there's there were a, a lot of reasons that I kind of got into this. Um Part of it because it was as a black male mm-hmm. in education, uh, I'm already like on the low side of percentage. I represent a small group, mm-hmm. like three yeah. percent of teachers. Are right, black. yeah. And then as a black male in elementary school, that's an even smaller bank, like mm-hmm. less than a one percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there isn't a lot of community around what I do. Um, and here in our local area, the representation of African-American educators is so few and far in between that you often end up working with, around a bunch of people who don't look like you. Right. And so that can be isolating as much as you assimilate Absolutely. and, you know, you eventually learn to find things in others mm-hmm. that you like. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's not the same. Right. And so having teacher friends, like Whitney mentioned, um, is cool. And. I first thought of this idea of the podcast because I was like, people always say like, 
oh my god, this this you would be so great with a student because they just they just would really benefit from you know some time with you. And I used to walk around like, I, what is this magic that people think I have? Like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm yeah. doing yeah. that people think is so magical that mm -hmm. you know, oh, this student really benefit from some time with me. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to get out here and talk about what I do and, and see, see what happens. Like, yeah. let people just in on the fact that I don't know how much what I'm doing is different than anything else. And that kind of, like, like birthed this idea of, like, let's just talk about well, teaching. We do. Yeah. Yeah. And then Brenton and I had the privilege to uh, kind of co, co... Oh, yes, last year. Yeah. So um, each the year, the Office of Community co-hosts. Thank you. The Office of Community Host. Engagement hosts a diversity conference in the spring. Yeah. Here um, in, in Charlottesville. And last year, we both kind of co-hosted that conference. Cool. Right. And prior to that, people had been like, you know, you guys just have a good energy. And so we kind of like thought about it for a while. And then I think we went on spring break. And then I messaged him on a Sunday like, we should start Tuesday. It's time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have a yeah. lot to say. Like yeah. things are definitely changing in, uh, in our communities. But I just think we have a lot that we intentionally mm -hmm. do that we could, you know, we could bring to the table. And he came and we started that Tuesday and we like, I think stayed we put committed. more thought in trying to come up with a good title oh than, than the energy than of the actual of like, do we want to do a podcast? Like that, there was no. little to know. It was like, yeah, let's just yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's like what are we gonna call our band? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. like we, exactly and then you sit it. there for, for we like, hours on end, forty or fifty yeah. options. Yeah. Literally, like, yeah. we were sending them out to people. <laughs> what do you think about this one? Yes. Um, and then we just landed on like at the time we weren't teaching together. Mm -hmm. Um, and then so we both were at schools, and we were like the only or one of few black educators in the building Absolutely. and we were like let's just get around and talk about what it's like talk about teaching. what it is yeah teaching yeah. well i say from 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 listening to it because i i listened to a couple of episodes i was like well it sounds i mean it there's a feel when I listen to it where it's like you're being brought into a conversation, you know, and it's not like, you know, like you were saying, talking plain talk where you're not trying to sound like like you're talking to a college course. Right. right. It's like, hey, come on, let's talk at the dinner table. Yes. That's what it's it kind of feels like is like it's like a dinner table conversation, um, you know, and, and that you just you're, you're right there and you get to you get a chance to, you know, have somebody who you can connect with. Absolutely. And that was the intention behind it. Like, we want to invite you to join in on our conversation. And sometimes um, I just thought that it would be a great idea for people to have that have similar experiences or even not similar experiences mm -hmm. to be able to hear what it's like, because I know people are curious. I mean, in my old school, I was the only black educator for mm -hmm. a long time. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't it wasn't like people didn't know they knew. And I always thought that, like, I know people are wondering, like, you've been here for Mm -hmm. You know, how does it feel in this space? Um, Brandon and I have a natural conversation chemistry anyway. And so we just, we ebb and flow, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's just a good energy. And I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for Black Teacher Code. I didn't think it was going to be what yeah. it is. Yeah. But it is so important. We, like, almost never miss it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've missed, like, two 
We had a summer hiatus a little bit because we were traveling. Uh, but I think we've missed two yeah. weeks, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. We are extremely consistent. And I think it also, just like you said, it is uninterrupted, mm-hmm. almost conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, I dedicate my energy, you know, to Right, it, yeah, yeah. You know? Well, and you talk about, like, topics. what you're listening to yes. sometimes. Like, oh, I was listening to this. That takes me back. So, you know, I mean. musically inclined, for yeah, sure. Um, oh, no. and, it, and it's interesting, like, just like you talk about who you're reaching and like mm-hmm. who's listening like so first we were like okay we're going to do this for you know black educators who are mm-hmm. kind of feeling isolated and mm-hmm. where they work and who they work with and then we eventually realized it's so applicable to so many different fields and industries yeah. that we have a lot of listeners who aren't even teachers absolutely right but they they get the feel of like oh my gosh i had this topic that happened in the world and i didn't right. really have somebody yeah. in my mm-hmm. you spent a lot of time at work <laughs> like yeah, i didn't no, have anybody amazing, at work yeah. yeah you know really that i felt comfortable or mm-hmm. i even cared to talk through mm-hmm. with and so mm-hmm. it's like creating space for that to happen yeah yeah well and i think that's important to have that space mm-hmm. me too you know Thank i mean you. yeah well so how are you guys uh, feeling are we doing all right yeah, yeah. yeah. we're great. great awesome well i'm good i thank you very much for uh, joining me for this this has been really cool thank you so yeah. much for inviting us darren brandon ran down to my re- to my classroom like did you see the email we got <laughs> <laughs> he was so quick did you see the email did you see that i was like oh yes yes that is great that is great so thank you we are so honored yeah Definitely thanks, honored. Been a really great thanks for telling me that because you know yeah. i mean it's honored. one of the things you do and when, when you're doing stuff like this is you're kind of just sending it out and you're wondering what happens to it, you know, yeah. because, you know, especially now, the more you, the more stuff that's available to people, the less inclined they are to really connect with it mm-hmm. and comment on it or Absolutely. email. And, you know, so, so yeah, well, thanks for the feedback. I'm that's great. <laughs> I am, yeah. Well, and, you know, feel free to put this up on yours as uh, like a co-episode. If you oh, want. Thank you so much. So, yes. I mean, that way maybe you can, you know, take a week off at some point. You don't have to tell me twice. We're a busy season. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Dan. Appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. This was good. That was fun. Well, that's it. Episode 20 is over. Um, I'm still in shock. I'm sorry. I just like saying episode 20, so please forgive me. Um, but, uh, I told you they were great, right? This was this was a good podcast. I had a good time sitting down with them. Um, and definitely check out their podcast, Black Teacher Code. It's on SoundCloud. If you do a search for it, you'll see there it's the first thing that comes up. So um, as far as what's coming down the line, I've been setting up my spring schedule. And I've got, some, uh, I've got some things coming up. Jennifer Abrams, who is the author of Having Hard Conversations, she is going to join me in a month or two. And then also Isabel Sawyer, who's got a book coming out on professional development. Development reimagined. Um, she's a friend of mine. I've known her for a while, so it'll be good to uh, sit down with her and her co-author. Um, and then I've got John Elmerode coming in for a podcast on PLCs. So there's a lot of good stuff coming down the line. And then um, I'm still planning out further. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are too. Check us out at theednarrative.com. If you're on Twitter, follow me at theednarrative. I guess that's that. Episode 20. Ah, catch you later. Bye.